the difficulty that we face at times in our Christian walk is that sometimes we just get tired. We get tired of waiting, expecting. We get tired of dealing with the stuff in life. We just get tired. And to add insult to injury at times, we, we struggle whenever we expect something from God and it does not happen. Because we expect it to happen right away or we expect God to do something right away. Or God may appear to throw a curveball to us and we find ourselves caught off guard. Or either we have a failure or something that occurs in life and we find ourselves feeling guilty or ridden with shame. We feel that we've fallen out of favor with God. To some degree, that was the issue facing the Israelites as we talk about this passage this morning. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. We pray, God, that you would speak to your people, your community, through your word. That the words of this preacher's mouth and the meditations of this preacher's heart be acceptable before you, O God. Hide me that Jesus Christ alone will be glorified and exalted. It is in that name that we pray these prayers. Amen. Jeremiah the prophet had spoken to the people of Israel sometime back. And if you look in chapter 29 of Jeremiah, there's that whole discussion about this is what's going to happen to you conversation. And Jeremiah lists all those things and, and says, you're going to end up going into captivity because this is what your punishment is, because you have not honored your part of the covenant. And sure enough, the people of Israel, Israelites end up in captivity. Most of us know part of this passage because we quote it so many times. Jeremiah 29 uh, uh, yeah, twenty nine eleven. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. And we run with that passage because it sounds good. But the context, the backdrop of that package of that passage is that the, ex, the people are getting ready to go into exile because they have not honored their part of the contract with God. And so essentially what God is saying is you will be going into Babylonian captivity because you have not honored your part. But I'll still love you. I'll still love you when you go into captivity. And by the way, it's going to be 70 years that you will be in captivity. When we pick up the story in Isaiah, it's a strange story because we pick it up because at this place where Isaiah is one of those weird kind of books, the first part of the book, Isaiah the prophet is kind of speaking within the political going-ons around in that time. 
So he's speaking to what's happening with the people surrounding nations and the people of Israel, the Judaites, the, the, all the people of that time. When you get past chapter 39 of, uh, of Isaiah and move from 40, chapter 40 all the way to chapter 66, it becomes this kind of future talk where Jeremiah now, everything switches to like, okay, they have been in captivity now, that is the children of Israel, for something like 70 years, and God is getting ready to bring them back home again, and now he's getting, get, getting them ready, and Jeremiah is speaking to that situation. They're getting ready to come out of captivity because God has called his servant Cyrus now, who will actually defeat the Babylonians, the same Babylonians that God used to oppress the Israelites, to teach them, now God will wipe out those Babylonians and bring back to their home the Israelites. And they are struggling because this sounds a little weird to them because all of a sudden the the conversation gets very positive about the future. Here are some of the comments that that, that, uh, Isaiah is speaking to. And here's God constantly saying this. When I read this, I said... He's saying the same thing over and over and over again to them. And it goes like this, starting in chapter 40. You see these words just over and over again. Fear not. Fear not. Do you not know? Do you not hear? Has it not been told told to you from the beginning? I am with you. Fear not. I am the one who is saying to you, fear not. I am the one who helps you. Fear not. I am your redeemer. I am the holy one of Israel. I am the Lord, the first and the last. Fear not. There is none who has declared it, none who has proclaimed it, none who other than me. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations. I am the Lord, that is my name. Behold, former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare. Fear not, I have redeemed you. I will be with you. I am the Lord your God. Fear not, I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east. I am the Lord, I am the Lord, I am the Lord, I am the Holy One, I am the Lord, I am the Lord. Why is he saying over and over and over to a people who know him already because he called them? He's the same God that brought them out of Egypt, out of bondage in Egypt. He's the same God now that's going to bring them back to their hometown, back to Jerusalem and restore and rebuild them. And he's constantly having to tell them, fear not, fear Fear not, fear not. I am the Lord. I am the Lord. I am the Lord. Why? I ask myself, why? And then it hit me. Because they had forgotten who their God really is. They had forgotten that this God is the one who will come through. He's not like the other gods. He's not just speaking stuff. He's he's the God who will actually fulfill all that he has said. Listen to the words of Isaiah in our text today. I am the Lord, your holy one, the creator of Israel, your king. Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who brings forth chariot and horse, army and warrior. They lie down. They cannot rise. They are extinguished, quenched like a wick. 
Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new things, new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? Do you not see it? And what he's trying to teach them, and I'm going to use the message because I want to zero in on, on those two, couple of verses in that passage. The message, Eugene Peterson's the message captures it this way, and I thought it, was, it, it, it clarifies it a little bit better for us. Forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. Be alert. Be present. I am about to do something brand new. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? When I, when I read this, I, 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 grab, I wanted to grab something out of this because there's so much in this passage that you can run into all kinds of directions with it because within, within the, this oracle from the prophet, there's some, some, some pointing to the Redeemer, Jesus Christ, because after all, it's in Isaiah that we get the glimpses of the Christ, the Messiah to come, the Redeemer. So while we are actually dealing with, the prophet is dealing with the condition of the Israelites, the fact that they are going back home and God is saying, I will be with you. I will restore you. I will redeem you. In the back of our minds, we should have that that's the same God that redeems us that restores us, that keeps us, that ultimately saves us. That's what the Messiah will do. He was, so there's this picture of the, the Messiah that's actually going to come. Here's your takeaway for today. If you don't get anything else out of today's message on this July, June, uh, January 1st, 2017, take this. This is the piece right here that you want to grab hold of. We can have confidence in God's promises because we know him as the sovereign God. Turn to someone next to you and say, I know him as the sovereign God. The rest of this is who is faithful to his word regardless of our circumstances. Let me take it again. We can be, have confidence in God's promises because we know him as the sovereign God who is faithful to his word regardless of our circumstances. That's the bottom line. I could close it up right there and we could do the benediction and be done right there. Why? Because I'm convinced, I'm convinced that the only way that you can understand what this really means in terms of that God's got us, God has got us, the only way you can be confident that God has got us, he's got our future, is if you understand that, first of all, the God we're talking about is a sovereign God. Pastor, what do you mean by a sovereign God? What do you, when you say he's sovereign... Sovereignty can be defined as having supreme authority, control, and power over all that has happened, is happening, and will happen in the future and all times in all history. In other words, he rules over everything all throughout history at the same time. He is over all of it. Friends, I'm going to tell you, there's some really powerful implications behind that. When I thought about that, I said, that's the peace that keeps us. That's the peace that should keep you and I. Because when we think about it, if God's got all, if he's sovereign over everything, that means it doesn't matter who's in the Oval Office. Doesn't matter who you voted for. 
doesn't matter what church you, whether you're a big church, small church, whether you have one parent, two parents, three parents, four parents, doesn't matter what car you drive, doesn't matter where you have a job, you don't have a job, whether you're married, not married, God is sovereign over your life. He is sovereign. He is sovereign. Here's, here's the state of mind of Israel at the time. This is when I, when I looked at this text, I said, what, what were they thinking about as, as they were getting this message, thinking about, and, and the prophet was, prophet was speaking to them saying, get ready because uh, God is going to do a new thing. He's going to restore us. He's going to get us back to Jerusalem, and we're going to be like we were. We're going to rebuild. We're going to be, have all this stuff. And they're going, it's been 70 years. Oh, boy. So I jotted down a few things. I said, I said so here's their state of mind. After all this time, 70 years, can Yahweh truly deliver? Can God really deliver after 70 years we've been dealing with this? How do we find hope in the midst of discouragement and disillusionment? 70 years? Will God honor his promises in light of our failures? We dropped the ball on our part of the covenant, and God's going to all of a sudden make everything new? Can we really be restored as a community in a changed political environment? It's not like it was 70 years ago. It's a different kind of environment. Can God be trusted? Can Yahweh be trusted? And of course, that's rhetorical because we know the answer. We can have confidence in God's promises because we know him as the sovereign God who is faithful to his word regardless of our circumstances. Brothers and sisters, if there's nothing else this year that, I, I, that you will get, get this piece. In 2017, God is the same sovereign God that he was in 2016 2015, 14, 2000, he's the same sovereign God. In 2020, 2000, he is the same sovereign God. Our Lord God, our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all kingdoms of all nations. In your hand are power and might, so there is none is able to withstand you. Second Chronicles 20 and 6. And then you recall the story of Joseph when his brothers realized that they were at the mercy of Joseph and they're brought before Joseph. And all of a sudden they realized that he is going to have the power of life and death in his hands. And so they put together a lie to try to figure out how can we have mercy, have him have mercy on us because we are doomed because of what we did to our brother. And so they come shaking. Remember in the Wizard of Oz? Remember when the kid, the, 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 the Dorothy and, and, and the Lion, the Tin Man, and the Scarecrow, remember they go before the Wizard of Oz? And I always have this picture in my mind of the wizard. They, they're shaking and everything, standing before the Wizard of Oz because this is a great and powerful Oz. And they didn't know there was a guy behind the curtain and the total kind of pulled the string on the thing. But, but I, I, that's what I imagine what was going on here. They were in this fear moment because they were going to be standing before the person who could call the shot on their lives. I love what Joseph does in Genesis 50, 20. He says, 
which you meant for evil against me, God meant for it good. To bring about all that many people should be kept alive as they are today. In other words, Joseph realized that, you know what, God is sovereign. And even though you, you had this thing planned where you conspired against me, God was working anyway. He was sovereign. And he was doing something far better than your conspiracy against me. He was doing far better than what, more than what you see. And I would suggest to you this morning, beloved, that God is looking at far much more than you and I can see. That's why he says things, when he talks about, behold, don't you see it? I'm going to do something new. It's a call for us to wake up and realize that the sovereign God is in control. The psalmist in 115.3 says, Our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. And of course, I love this from Romans. It's your passage, your favorite one and mine, I believe. Romans 8.28. And we know, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together. <clears throat> Excuse me. All things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. That's a promise. That's a promise. What I want to encourage you to do is I want to encourage you to think about, especially this year as we began this year, what it would look like if you and I would begin to live our lives in a place where we're saying, God, you're sovereign over every situation that will occur. I'm not even aware of you're sovereign over every situation in my life. What would it look like if we completely said, God, we're going to trust you. We're going to trust you unswervingly. We're going to trust you in every single thing. Even if we can't figure it out, even if we don't know, even if we pray and we don't get the answer, we're going to trust you, God. Because God, regardless of the circumstances we're in, well, you know, well, we've been a church for 15 years, and what well, we used to have 600, 700 people, and we had this, and we had that, and we almost had a building, and, and we had all of this, and we had, I remember, when, you could live in the past all day long, but God is doing something new, and God has you here right now at this point in history. We are here because he's getting ready to do something new. Now we have to perceive it. And part of our perception is being able to say, do we know our God? Do we have confidence in our God? If there's one thing that's missing from the church of God today, it's a lack of confidence and faith in the sovereign God who has called us out of darkness and into light. The God whose son died for us, rose again, and was nailed for us on the cross. That God is the God that has empowered us to have a future. It's not how much money you make, how much education you have, whether you're in a big church or a small church. It has nothing to do with any of that stuff. It has to do with your faith and your trust in God Almighty. 
the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of old, the God that says, don't you see it? I am with you. I am, I am the Lord, your holy one, the creator of Israel, your king. This is interesting. Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters. You know what he's doing there? He's reminding them about the exodus when they were coming out of Egypt. Remember the story when they came out of Egypt? Remember at one point they were on the run? Pharaoh was behind them, and at one point the water is before them, and it's like, "Uh uh-oh, we can't go back, we can't go forward, we're going to be stuck in the middle here. It's done. We are done. And in fact, it was so bad that they started complaining to Moses. They said, oh, you know what? You know, we probably should have just stayed in it, it, back in Egypt because we would have been better off. At least we would have been servants and alive. And now look what you did. You got us, got us out here and we're getting ready to either drown or be wiped out by Pharaoh's people. And we've made them angry. Moses says, take it easy. Take it easy. Don't, don't panic. Why was Moses able to do that? Because he understood that God is sovereign. God is sovereign. God is sovereign. He's in control. And we need to understand that when the troops are behind us and it it looks like everything is closing in on us, God is still sovereign. He's in control. And we have to be okay with that. We have to be okay with that. Forget about the former things. Don't dwell on the past. Look to the future. That's the message. We have confidence in God's promises because we know him. Ask yourself, do you know him? That's the first piece right there. Do I really know God? Do I know God in Christ? Do I really know him? Because if you don't know him, you're not going to have the confidence. You can fake me out. You can fake out anybody else. because You can look like you know him, but in reality, you know when you find out whether you know him or not? When you're in a crisis. When you're in a crisis. I've watched many people go through a crisis, and you can tell the ones that have a firm faith and belief in God and those that are unraveled. I'm not saying they're unsaved. I'm just saying the faith is not there. The strong faith is not there. We can have confidence in God's promises because we know him as the sovereign God who is faithful to his word regardless of our circumstances. Hallelujah. Let's start this year. How about that? This year building our confidence in a God that we know. And let it, let it trickle down to our kids. What if, what if God has called you, hint, hint, as a parent to be a steward of the next generation of confident Christian men and women who will be faced with some catastrophic events in life but will be able to stand firm like uh, David against Goliath? 
What if you are the steward of that, that young boy or that young girl that will be empowered to stand with confidence because they have watched you do it in the household? They've watched you in prayer. They've watched you read the word of God. They've watched you in fellowship. They've watched you serve God. They've watched you in a crisis and how you handled it. And they know that you're depending on God's promises because he is faithful. And they've watched you model that in front of them. Just saying. Father, thank you so much for this day. Help us now, God, to to put it into practice, God. It's one thing to talk about it and, and feel good about it and get all excited about it. But, God, it's another story when we suddenly are faced with putting it into practice, our faith, our confidence that you've got the future, that you are doing something new, and that we have to let go of the past, Father, and look forward to those great things that you have in store for us. Help us to model it, God, like never before. And let this be the pivotal year, oh God, that we as a community of faith in Jesus Christ would draw people, not because of the name of GRX, but because of the name that is higher than any name in heaven and earth, the name of Jesus Christ, the crucified, that we see the living Christ through living epistles, as members of this community that happens to be GRX. It is in the precious name of Christ that we ask these things. Amen.